0: We're going to continue, and i want to share a message, uh, continue in our series called Stories of Hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of our hope. Because He lives, I live. Because He lives, you live. And this morning, we're going to turn our attention to a terrific passage in God's Word. It's found in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and we'll project the words up on the screen. Uh, Or on your smartphone, you can look it up, follow along. It's Hebrews chapter 6, and it is verses 9 through 20. And it's the story of hope and why we have such strong encouragement to lay hold of the hope that God has for us. The scripture that um, I'll I'll repeat, you've heard it once already, and you'll hear it again, this hope we have verse number 19, as an anchor of the soul, a hope that is both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. And within the veil, what that means is that up until the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the temple, the holy temple, um, where sacrifices were taking place, there was a there was a a place called the holy place. And in that holy place, that's where the presence of God was. And what separated common people from that was a thick curtain called the veil. It was hand-woven. It was impossible to tear it. But the moment that Jesus Christ cried, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost, God's Word tells us that that veil in the temple, that curtain, was torn in two miraculously and mysteriously by the hand of God from top to bottom, signifying that you and I have access to the very place where God dwells. We no longer need a priest to mediate for us or go into that place, but we have access to God Himself. Can someone say amen this morning? Praise God. He is near to us. I want to also state along with that that I believe God wants us to grasp a whole of that, but I also believe that He wants us to maintain the mystery of God and what God does in our life and that God is not so familiar that we treat Him in a way that He's common and ordinary as though we can turn Him off or turn him on at our beck and call. How many know that God does not serve us, but we serve him? He is the one who does not change. And I want to share with you this morning the story of hope. Uh, these, how many of you have noticed these uh, gifts that are here? How many have noticed them? And what kind of paper is this? Wrapping paper, more specifically. It is, what? where do you see this with snowflakes and Christmas. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Christmas in April. We beat all the Christmas in July, people. But there's nothing that signifies hope more than a Christmas gift, particularly when you're a kid. And we we never knew what our parents were going to give us, and our children always had their list, and our grandkids have a list that's even longer than our list. But I do remember as a kid, um, that you 'd see the Christmas gifts start to pile up under the tree, but we also knew on Christmas morning there there more than likely would be a big Christmas gift that they couldn 't wrap or wouldn't bother wrapping because it would hey paper's expensive, you know what i 'm saying, and so they would say that once you go to bed at night and uh, santa might come he 's you know he 's going to come and he might bring something special, but we can't tell you what it is. But you're not allowed to get down there uh, after you fall asleep. Not until you get up in the morning. You know, we have breakfast together, and then we open the presents. And I would love it when I was 12 or 13 years old. I would wake up before anyone else would wake up. And guess what I'd do? I'd go down and look. Oh, my goodness. And one of the years I had a... I was like 11 years old, and they bought me a Schwinn bicycle. with It was black with white racing stripes on it and the red and white seat, the chrome fenders and the stuff coming out the handlebars and a real bicycle seat. Not the skinny kind that like, who invented this thing? It's like a wooden wedge that you're supposed to sit on. I mean, I built for comfort. You know what I mean? I mean, I like those things. And I remember that morning and one, one other morning I went down and there was a toboggan, a flexible flyer toboggan made from maple wood from Canada. And we still have that and our grandkids are, they're sliding on that toboggan now. And so, These things represented hope. We didn't know exactly what was in there, but it was hope and the hope of Christmas morning. Hope is so important as the follower of Jesus Christ. Hope is so important to all of us that are made, everyone here is made in the image of God. In fact, the Bible says that desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The sap is running, the leaves are out, there's fruit on it desire fulfilled is a tree of life but hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a prisoner of war an American prisoner of war who was in a North Vietnamese army concentration camp. And even in that camp they had they had the the American soldiers had devised the system of Communicating with one another by scratching on the wall, sort of like a, maybe even Morse code, but uh, and they would they could pass scriptures back and forth. They had their own system of this, but the whole point was to of the enemy was to break them down and to lose hope and and make them become a traitor uh, to the United States of America to play into the hands of the enemy. One of the men, they decided that they would further isolate him away from everybody else. And he could not communicate with anybody. He could not see anybody, He any American. He could not talk with them, and he was all alone. And he began to refuse water. And he began to refuse even what little food that they gave to him. And he finally curled up into a fetal position. And within two weeks, the man had died because he'd lost all hope. All hope was gone. God's Word says this, that the writer says, I am convinced of better things for you. There's three things I want to share with you this morning. One is hope is something that belongs alone to salvation, that our hope is built on the character of God and our hope is fastened to where God is. Could you say praise God, praise His name? We have a wonderful story of hope this morning from the Delgado family, and we're going to show that at this time.
1: Hi, my name is Sandra and this is my son.
2: And we are the Delgados and this is our story of hope.
1: Today we are going to talk about hope.
2: Hope is a little word. It only has four letters. That has a lot of meaning. Hope is expecting something to happen even though it hasn't happened yet. And expecting that it will happen soon.
1: Sometimes hope, faith, patience and love is all you have. Sometimes you have nothing else but if you have all of this, you have everything.
2: Today we're going to talk to you about the story of my great-grandmother and my mother. Uh, their story of faith and how that story of faith and hope brought my father uh, back to the, the walkway to Christ. My great-grandmother prayed for my father for 47 years so he would come back to Christ.
1: I pray with hope to my Lord for 18 years for my husband. And never lost my hope, my faith, my patience, and my love for Him. And remember to never give up. My
2: great-grandmother prayed for 47 years, and my father was raised in the church. He was raised knowing about Jesus and having Him as his Lord, but as he grew up and moved away and got into the military, he kind of went his own separate path. Um, so my great-grandmother, what she would do every day, and I even caught her doing this one time, she would pray for my father every single day. Uh, no matter where she was, she would always take some time to pray for my father, and just so he would come back to to Christ. My grand, My great-grandmother sadly passed away three years ago, before my father gave his life back to Christ. But two years ago, he rededicated his life at the Clayton Jennings event at the APG, Federal Credit Union Arena. And last year, we're happy to say that he was able to come back and be baptized in water. And for me, that was really life changing because I've never seen something. You hear these stories of hope and how much hope someone has, but to really have someone in your family that close to you and have them pray for so long for something that they never even got to see, never got to pick the fruits of their labors, is a, is a learning experience. And my mom also showed that for 18 years while she prayed. When I was born, she came back to Christ and he, she was able to pray for my father so he would come back. And seeing that it was a fantastic, something that was more magic, more fantastic, more supernatural than I've ever been able to see in my whole entire life.
1: Also, I have a verse in the Bible that gives me a strength to continue with my hope and this verse is as, as for me and my, and my
2: house we, we will serve the lord. lord joshua 24 15. we are the delgados hope, and this is, is our story of, of hope,
0: hope. Yes. Uh, nelson and uh, Sandra. Just your family stand, if you would. And Nelson Jr. and Jilly, I think, is in Kids Blast this morning. There they are. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you guys. God is so good. Yeah. Praise his name. Wow. God's powerful, isn't he? Never give up. Never give up. Hope, hope for the child of God is one of the things that belongs to salvation The writer said this in verse 9, he said, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation or belong to salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown toward his name. And having ministered and in still ministering to the saints... And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who faith and patience inherit the promise. In your notes this this morning, confident of better things for you, things which belong to salvation. There are certain things that belong to salvation, that only accompany that. And what salvation is, is when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we acknowledge Him, that He died for our sins, He was raised the third day, and that we ask Him to forgive us and we turn from our ways. And when that happens, there are things that belong to salvation that come to us. I was talking with one of the one of the men this past week that recently gave his life to the Lord. And one of the things he said to me is there's such a freedom, just such a freedom, a freedom, just feeling free from all the other things that have gone on. That's a work that only Jesus Christ can do. Salvation, someone uses a word, the Bible uses a word called regeneration. It's That that was dead that has now come to life again. A regeneration is the action of an invisible God upon a person's invisible heart. That's what regeneration is. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And you can observe it in your life and other people's can. It's more than just coming to church. I I feel... This morning it's really important that we understand that just coming to church or being baptized as a child or or saying that I belong to a particular denomination or a church and that means that I'm ready to go to heaven that I I'm saved that does not it requires that our heart be surrendered to the Lord and that God's invisible hand Touches our heart, our invisible heart, in a way that changes our life. That's the outgrowth of salvation that comes from placing our faith and trust in him. I have two, two boxes here this, this morning. You can see these, and, and I want to explain these to you. If I would ask you this morning, what does Jesus mean to you? If you'd fill in that blank... Um, just help me out here this morning. What's one word that you can say back? And it's okay to shout out now during this time. What, what does Jesus mean to you? Someone, one word. Okay, forgiveness, love, what else? Okay, okay, okay. I need the gift of interpretation. All right. Uh, someone raise your hand. I'll call on you. How's that? Oh, you, your hands don't work. Okay, uh, Scott. Salvation. Someone else. Comfort, yes. Somebody else, yes. Protector. Protector. Peace, yeah. Healer. Healer. Healer, yes. Truth, yeah. Peace, joy, forgiveness, healing. How about security? How about heaven? How about a hope? That belongs to salvation. There are two boxes here. One represents the things that belong to salvation. This is a box of a soul or life that hopes only in this world. In this box, our hopes and dreams, they can be good, but it cannot go beyond this life as we know it that new car that new home that that new appliance that new outfit hey guys how about that new pickup or just a pickup the things that you want to do and good things vacation vacation with the grandkids that's that's good but This life outside of God and Jesus Christ has no hope that goes beyond anywhere. And when we breathe our last, all of our hopes and dreams and aspirations, they die with us in their place in the ground. Without hope and without God, without an eternity, but our soul lives on forever, either in the presence of God or in eternal darkness, away from God forever and ever and ever and ever. But this box... This represents the things that belong to salvation. One of the things that belongs to salvation is this. And how many know what this is called? This is an anchor. Some of you even know what kind of anchor that this is. This is called a Danforth anchor, a metal anchor, no, no. This is a Danforth anchor. I'm not going to give you a lesson this morning, but let me show you how this works. The Bible says, I'm going to show you how it's supposed to work. Later will be the demonstration. But what happens, this anchor is only five or six pounds, and yet uh, yet it can hold a boat that's maybe 2,000 pounds or 4,000 pounds. And this Hope, this rope represents hope. And you can't can't see where it goes beneath the water. But when this thing grabs hold, it holds that boat in the storms and the current and the strong tides of life. And the things that belong to salvation, one of the most precious gifts that we have is the gift of a hope in God. In fact, God's Word tells us this, and I want to encourage you with it. If you find yourself losing hope, that God remembers. God remembers your work and your love. He is not so unjust as to forgive or forget. But He remembers your faithfulness. He remembers that you prayed. Even when you didn't feel like praying, that you worked, that you loved, that you served, that you witnessed, that you gave, that you came, that you encouraged, the enemy of our soul wants to say, well, what difference does it make? If you don't do that, who cares? Someone else will jump in your spot. Friends, it matters to God because you matter to God. And God remembers It's one of the basis of our hope that we have. But God's Word also says this, that we need to show diligence and faith and patience so that we can realize the full assurance of hope to the end. I'm convinced we live in a world that joy and hope for the follower of Jesus Christ is more important than ever, but there is a war that rages against the souls of men and women boys and girls like we've never seen it before the writer says we have to show diligence so that we can realize the full assurance of God's hope until the very end and the, the word there is means that that we have to be meaningfully engaged in this and you 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 say how is that pastor well one of the things, it's more than just receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but it's it's participating in the, in the church and the community of faith. It is by serving, but it's also by having a personal relationship with God that we're nurturing. We're just not living off past blessings and things that we heard growing up in Sunday school or in church. It means that we are meaningfully engaged in this hope. It means that It extends to the friends that we select so that we're walking in good company so that the Scripture says, Take heed, ye that that think you stand, lest you fall. But rather than that, we are to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ so that when our hope grows dim. We have people around us that we can talk with and they can pray with us and they can reassure us from God's Word that there is a hope in a living God. That's called maintaining it. Uh, I bought a, a power washer last year at the church yard sale. And uh, got a good price on it. Uh, bought it from someone in the church and... Uh, has a Honda engine on it, and it's a contractor grade. And they, I, i it's really hard for me to resist like tools and things with motors on them. How many guys, you know what I'm talking about? And And it didn't take me long to rationalize, I really need this. And I did. So I went home and, you know, I, I'd seen those signs on the side of the road, wash any size house for $195. And I said to my wife, we can save $195. Plus I can wash my boat and now that I have a pickup, I can wash out the back of the pickup and I can just do a whole lot of things with it. So um, we have a a house, it's all brick, but then we build an addition on and and that has what they call, it's beaded siding. It's real nice look, but it's like a creamy yellow against the, the brick it really looks nice and then a garage and two-car garage and that's all that and the crazy thing is it's started to turn green so I had washed that a couple of times with a brush and soap and there's a formula you use and but you know hey man I'm getting old and getting up on that ladder you know with that brush on a handle and uh, I'm convinced there's something better for me than that, so I bought this pressure washer. And and the the guy from the church. He said, Pastor, just be careful. Get up on that ladder. That thing's really powerful, and if you're not prepared, it can, it it'll you'll lose your balance. I said, I can handle that. It's no problem, you know. So anyway, I had my wife hold the ladder. And you know, if I start to fall, if the ladder goes sideways and you know she's so strong, she can hold a ladder stretched out 25 feet. I mean, what's that? You know, so uh, anyway, so I washed this siding and man, it blew off all the green stuff and it looks wonderful. And And then just the other day, this spring, we've noticed it's all coming back again. It's uglier than ever. And I said, what causes that? And so Chris Googled it. You know what causes that? We have these wonderful mature maple trees around the house. They let out, they emit, they emit droplets, microscopic droplets of sugary tidbits that float in the air and they attach on siding. And guess who loves sugary tidbits besides you all? algae, and mold, and wherever there's sugary tidbits, that's where this algae says, hey, come on, there's a feast, there's a party, and the, thou- the house is green again, and I've got to get up on that ladder and spray it back down. Well, here's the deal. I'm convinced that we live in a time and age when there's so many things that, that... It's like sugary tidbits from this world that come and attach our soul, and we want to feast on them, don't we worry? What's going to happen? Are we going to have enough money for this? Are we going to have enough money for that? How are we going to get the kids through school? Oh my goodness, my son or my daughter, they're They've walked away from God. What in the world is going to happen? And if we're not careful, spiritual algae takes up residence in our heart and we begin to see the world through green-colored glasses instead of the living hope that God has for you and for me. Is that true or not? But the writer said, I'm convinced that God has something better for you. Things that belong to salvation. The second thing he said is that our hope is built on the character of God. For when God, verse 13, made the promised Abraham, since he could not swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And what this is about, he's talking about in those days they would, they would, Have a form of what we call a contract today, but they would swear by something or put it up for collateral. Let me put it that way. And then they would give their word or they'd sign a contract. So God made a promise to Abraham. I'm hearing the songs Father Abraham, Father has many children. That's biblical. Do you know today that you are a child, an heir of Abraham? How many know that? Yes. He made a promise to Abraham, and since he could not swear by anyone greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. Would someone say that, just say this, God wants to bless me. Would you say that? God wants to bless me. God wants to multiply me. It's because of the promise that he made to Abraham. It's because of the promise God made to Abraham. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. He maintained it. He was actively engaged in it. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of His purpose. God's purpose cannot and will not be changed, praise God. He interposed interposed with an oath so that having by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible For God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. Friends, God does not change. He cannot change. It's like the elements of gold and iron that we learned about when we were in high school or Junior high, or middle school, or who knows? they probably teaching in kindergarten today. But anyway, remember those ele- those charts of elements? How do you remember those things? They cannot change. You cannot change gold. Gold is gold. Is gold is gold. And God is, God is God. Is God is God. And He gave a promise to Abraham and to the children of Abraham. And when there was no one greater than Himself to swear by, God swore by Himself in that by two unchangeable things, we have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is before us. He made a promise to Abraham and to us called the heirs of his promise. Galatians 3.9 says that I will bless you and I will multiply you. And I believe the enemy of our soul comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus Christ said. It's important to know that when we choose our own way and our dreams and our hope and our aspirations, this is but the bait on the trap, the spiritual trap that the enemy of our souls has set so that if we will focus only on this, he comes in then to steal, kill, and to destroy. To take marriages and homes and children and have discord in the house and 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 all of the ills that we are so susceptible to and we cannot fight by ourselves. But when Jesus Christ comes, he comes to give you and comes to give me life, and it is an abundant life, and God wants to bless your life. Can someone say amen? Yes. He wants to bless our lives so that we walk in hope and we walk in a future and in the works that God has already prepared beforehand. It's a matter of walking in them. But we have to be actively engaged in this so that the, the spiritual algae of this world does not cover our souls and make something beautiful ugly and we lose hope. I'm convinced that there's better things for us, praise His name. I will bless you and I will multiply you and your influence for me. God guaranteed his promise by this oath and swore by himself. The last thing, the third thing I want to share with you is that our hope is fastened to where God is. To where God is. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, hear it again, a hope that's both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I believe the word for the day is this, to be encouraged. God has not forgotten what you've done for him to guard our souls. We must pray for children and neighbors and our community and our world that has gone astray from God. But above all, we must guard our souls because there's a living hope that he has for believers in Jesus Christ. And we can control that. I cannot control. I cannot control what my children do. I cannot control what my grandchildren do. I cannot control what you do. I can't even control what my wife does. But I can control the hope that God has within me to be actively engaged in that so that we don't lose hope and this living hope, this story of hope that God is writing in our hearts to the, to the music of the gospel. He's writing a story in our hearts that is for you and for me. This hope is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, lives to watch over us. That's what it means when it goes beyond the veil. What what God's Word tells us that right now that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father on high. He is making His enemies a footstool. The last enemy to be conquered is death, hell and the grave. And one day, Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth to claim His bride, which is the church. Praise His name. Amen. Praise His name. God is good. Praise God. And so therefore, therefore, let's draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so we have great confidence to seize the hope set before us. Don't let go. Don't let go. Engage, engage, engage. Don't let go. Easter Monday, my brother and I went out. We, we wanted to just try the, he has a boat and I have a boat and, and uh, the boat is 18 foot and has a engine, Honda engine on it. And it's uh, by the time we got it all loaded up, um, I imagine it weighs a ton. And my brother and I combined, I know it's north of 700 pounds. We're part of that, but anyway, I won't tell you exactly what it was and. And we we went out on the river and the current was strong because they opened the floodgates. And when we were at the launch, we saw all these boats. There must have been half a dozen or eight boats in a certain spot down the river. And we said, they're catching fish there. Listen, if you're a fisherman... You don't have to see any one boat catching a fish. You just know that if two or more boats are gathered together, there has to be fish there. That's <laughs> Everyone does the same thing. It's like flies to honey. They're catching fish. We know they're catching. We've got to get over there. So, but we said we've got to position ourselves because this aluminum boat, the current's strong. If we're not careful, um, we, I mean, we've got to, we're going to have to use the anchor. And so uh, we, we threw out the anchor, and it wasn't grabbing bottom. And uh, we had to reposition ourselves, and we tried again, and, and, and he was dragging this thing along, and we couldn't see it. We could feel it bumping along. And what happens is what this does, this anchor, see these two points right here? Uh, normally when it goes on the the bottom, it just lays flat like that. But as soon as there's tension on this boat, it keeps scooting along and it's going like this and you can't see it. You don't know it's there. The water's all murky and everything else. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden something happened and the boat that had been drifting sideways towards these other boat and we're going, oh my goodness, I hope this thing grabs pretty soon. All of a sudden it's swung around in the current. How many know what that means? It means the anchor is held fast. That's what that means. And I'm going to try to demonstrate it. I can't can't do it perfectly, but this is the anchor, friends, that you and I have. If I can get this. All right. Whoops. What it does, it grabs because of the points. If I try to do it on this, it, it doesn't do too good, but we'll the points grab, they dig in the sand or there's rocks. And no matter how hard that boat pulls, this little five-pound anchor will hold that 2,000-pound boat or 4,000-pound boat, it will not let go. And I want to encourage you this morning that you and I have a hope in Jesus Christ. It is living, it's built upon the character of God, it is so much more than what's found in that little puny Christmas-wrapped, Christmas-in-April box that we think is life, and we go around life with our head stuck in this box, and we say, that's all there is, that's all there is, that God gives us an opportunity to place our faith in Jesus Christ, and a man, a woman who is a living soul now becomes a spirit that is alive in Jesus Christ because of the hope that He gives us. Praise His name. Amen. Praise God. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up. Do not give up. God has something better for you than what you're experiencing right now. Praise His name. Amen. Praise God. It's a living hope in Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? Amen. Praise His name. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a moment. Have the band come if they would. I want to pray for you. First of all, I wonder how many this morning you're here and you'd say, Pastor Paul, I needed to hear God's Word. I need to hear God's Word. I feel as though spiritual algae is coating my soul. And I wonder sometimes, does it really matter? Does God notice? Is anything going to change? But I need God this morning, and I'm lifting up my hand to you and saying, God, thank you for the living hope, and I ask you right now, would you restore my hope? Would you lift your hand along with mine and say, that's me? Yes. Yes, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've done, you've done. God is not so unjust. as to forget your good work in Him. Praise His name. The second thing I want to ask this morning is this. If you're here, And you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's one final thing in this box that belongs to salvation and to salvation alone. That when we draw our final breath and we stand in the presence of God, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It only belongs to salvation. You'll never find it in anywhere else. No other box. Well done, good and faithful servant. But you'd say, I want to receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender my life. I want to make a conscious decision for Him to begin to do a work in my invisible heart to regenerate and bring to life hope and everything that is promised that belongs to salvation, if that's you, would you lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Just lift your hand wherever you are. That's me. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just lift your hand up so I can see that. Yes. All right. I'm going to pray for you. What I'm going to ask to do after we pray, if you've lifted your hand for salvation on the back of this Connect card, There's a box, and you simply check that, and then you put a text, email, and your name on the front of this, and then you can can turn that in to an usher, or if you'd like prayer, we have some people that will be right here. They'll come. They'll pray with you, and you can hand this card to them. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in Jesus' strong name, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that we have a strong hope that is... Laid before us, Lord, a hope that's fastened to the very throne of God, where we re- receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. We rejoice this morning, Lord, over the things that belong to salvation, that belong as you call into life our self that was once dead and far from God. And we thank you for the hope that we have that's called a living hope. In Jesus' name, I thank you and I pray these things. Amen. Praise God. Is